0: podcasts we love Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts,
2: including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now. Hello, welcome to the BloodandMud.com podcast. I'm Lee Calvert, editor of BloodandMud.com.
1: And uh, I'm Josh Gardner, I'm the editor of RugbyShirtWatch.com, otherwise
2: known as that flip you swore like a docker in the last podcast. That's right, it was a disgrace. I, but anyway, we move forward <laughs> this week, quite a lot to talk about, a Indeed. Big, weekend in, big weekend in Europe, Josh.
1: It certainly was, you very great. You can relive very. all of
2: that, you can relive the full Pro 12 embarrassment.
1: Well it wasn't mm. entirely embarrassing I mean,
2: Well we'll come on to that yeah, yeah, We'll talk about some people who have left us One in very tragic circumstances and Indeed one, one because we all knew it was coming And we'll come on to that We'll talk about the arrival of Eddie Jones mm. um, Which is interesting Very if you interesting. asked me last week Would it be a good thing I, I would have said yes And then I heard his first speech but we'll, <laughs> yeah. His first interview we'll, we'll, Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come we'll, to that I think yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna talk we'll talk about doping. Yes. Because um, Wales is once again in the spotlight on doping and rugby generally, but we'll talk about that in more detail as well. We'll have how the hell did he get a cap? <laughs> and we'll also have another person going into up well actually it's more than one person, I'll come on to that later, going into the new <laughs> dirty get indeed. Hall of Fame. That's We're gonna, gonna talk one. about all of that this week. Are you ready to do this, Josh?
1: I am indeed, we've got a lot to get through, so uh, yeah, let's crack
2: on. Let's crack on. Joni Lomu then
1: yeah I mean what can you say it's, it's been like well we're recording this on Tuesday so it's been a week now since since I found out anyway and and it's just really sad and it's really affected me because like I was 10 years old in 1995 mm. and like he is rugby for people like me like the impact that he had on on my sort of perception of rugby and what a rugby player could be and like the size, the pace, the power, the skill—all of that stuff. Like, it came from that moment that he burst onto the scene in, in the '95 World Cup, and then it really pointed the way to what to what rugby would become later, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I think um, people use the term—they're going to use the term "legend" a lot about him and stuff like that. And we we understand that, and and that isn't an over. People always make the point: legends overused, and it is. But yeah. I don't want to make that point I don't want to make that point again. What I would say is I think terms that are overused generally in sports reporting and all that kind of stuff are words like spectacular
1: yeah. and
2: incredible. You know, people say every week that's an incredible pass. It's like, well, that's the fourth time you've said it this afternoon. <laughs> so it can't be that incredible, exactly. can it? And actually it, it, it was a miss one. So, you know, calm down. But actually, Lomi remains, even all this time ahead, when you watch his highlight videos and stuff, remains incredible. Yeah,
1: he 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 was like no other rugby player before him, and lots of players like we've we've often like we're guilty in rugby quite a lot of using the oh he's the new Jonah Lomu tag on people like <laughs> Surveyor and George North, and you can go back and back, and but there is no no new Jonah Lomu because there will only ever be one Jonah Lomu, and that's him, and and he was completely unlike he transcended our sport in a way that that totally. Like, changed yeah. the perception. Like, uh, what's yeah, it was
2: absolutely
1: fun. What's really interesting to me, like, now that we've had sort of a few days to, to process this all, is the, the reaction that I've had from people who've got no interest in rugby whatsoever. Like, I work in an yeah. office with with exactly zero rugby fans. I know how that feels. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, music journalism and rugby obsession is a, the Venn diagram consists of me and my good mate Hugh, and that is literally <laughs> it. But, um, <laughs> but like, like nobody there knows the first thing about the sport, and, and they at best watch it casual, to, casually, if at all. But like, over the last few days, like as I sort of seen people who've been off and stuff, like like four or five people who've got no interest in the sport have been like, oh. It was dreadful news about General Lomer, wasn't it? I think it's the fact um,
2: he's so young and it's that there's something about that in, incredible looking, indestructible looking physical physical specimen yeah. going, isn't there? I yeah. mean that a question a question I'm always interested in asking, and I always ask people this is, you know, in ninety five when he turned up he was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, would he be as effective now? Is a question I often find myself thinking. And the answer is Yes, of course yeah, he bloody would.
1: He absolutely would. He would be the best winger in the world today, comfortably. Like
2: yeah, because who's as big as him now?
1: No one. Exactly. Who's as fast as him? Like how many wingers out there are six foot five and nineteen stone and can run a hundred meters in ten seconds? That's that. And and also have a rugby brain, and are not just sprinters and are not just big lads. But you know, he knew where to pass. He knew where to step. And yeah. so few wingers know how to do that.
2: And he knew how to time his, that that arc run he used to do oh, off the wing. It was yeah. absolutely hilarious, to be honest, in a way, because you knew everybody knew it was coming, yeah. and there was fuck all you could do about it. <laughs> well, it's that everybody sort of, knew it was coming. Yeah, and, and and for all of the sort of
1: the complexity of the game. I mean, defenses are tighter, players are bigger, all that sort of stuff. You you would
2: well, be even better then, wouldn't he? Well, exactly, because you'd need somebody like him, wouldn't you? Yeah, he's like then, he'd be like Nandolo, but better.
1: Yeah, well, quicker, Much better, and, but not slow, fact. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, do not get me wrong, Surveyor's a cracking player, but and his try-scoring rate is incredible and all that sort of stuff, But and he does amazing things on the rugby field, but at no point does he do anything that sort of sets yeah. your heart going in the way that
2: Jonah used to all so, the time. I mean, weirdly, his cause of death looks like it's been some kind of blood clot, they reckon, through a flight, yes, don't they? Which yeah. is just... I mean, if it had been the disease he struggled with all his life, you could kind of understand that, but this makes it even, well, just even more tragic, really. It's awful. Well, yeah, it's
1: horrible. I mean, you don't know if I, I'm not a... I'm very much not a doctor, but, I mean, you do wonder if being on dialysis <laughs> every week for the last no, years... No, don't fancy
2: doing a PhD in shirt studying or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no, funny enough, you can, there you aren't be that, universities couldn't
1: you? that operate that. I mean, I, I think... Give it time. Yeah, the way I the think higher think...
2: education system in this country goes. If, if you can do golf course The University of East management. Anglia or something. Well, quite. University of East Anglia will have it within a year, guaranteed.
1: Uwick w- would definitely have it. <laughs> you always had a good rugby team, UIC, though. you got to give did. them that. They had a good I went. rugby team. I went to it's Cardiff, almost Cardiff, like they weren't so. that
2: bothered about the academic side of things. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, definitely That's not. University of Wales Institute Cardiff, by the way. Yes, Which ironically is. wasn't even in Cardiff. Well, bits of it weren't. Uh, right, so that's Lomu gone. You know, yeah. terribly sad thing. Another it really is. person gone from New Zealand is a is a certain Mr McCaw. Indeed. I mean it's it's been it's kind of funny the way that
1: like obviously when Jonah passed, people were rightfully sort of saying, you know, he is the, the best of all time and then, you know, the day later McCaw retires and people are like yeah he's the best of all time and it's like well <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep saying that as play- I mean how many players over the last
2: doesn't change the fact though does it that's the no thing. it doesn't I change mean, the fact honest,
1: that he's definitely one of the best players of all time the
2: number of people particularly Australians who say it through gritted teeth you know yeah, all right, fine he's the best of all time but yeah. I don't do it that way I think he actually he was the best of all time he was a disgusting and disgraceful cheat at times <laughs> that's his but, job you know that was his. that is the seven's job the job exactly. description we, we, he, all, we, all, we all know that and he was brilliant Brilliant, at it. Yeah,
1: he's he's the best seven, certainly in my lifetime, probably of all time, and definitely of the professional era.
2: And, and, and I've said before, it's a sign of his class that his consistency went to his haircut as well. Yes, the consistency exactly. of the man's haircut over a 15-year period is it, it, is, is, is unrivalled.
1: Like, the thing that always weirded me out, almost weirded me out a little bit too much at the um at his retirement press conference. Actually, was that he looked like he'd had a bit of product in it. Which I'm no. really, I'm really. No, I won't with... have that. I won't have it. It looked there was a there was a almost styling going involved, and and generally, McCall's haircut looks like he woke up that way, and it's just rugged, straight up in the air, you know. And, and yeah, it was slightly disconcerting. Maybe that's his way of saying I'm moving on to the next phase in my life. Here's some he's turned,
2: hair wax. Um, he's turned down the chance to go to Europe, which would have been a very. Easy yeah. cash in for him, I, th- I think. But it, again, it's a spectacularly McCall thing to do. Well, it's it? if, his heart, if his heart wasn't in it, he wouldn't. He, why? he no. need the money. So why? Because of course not. And
1: that's the thing. He is, you know, arguably the greatest All Black ever. He's got all of these honours and awards. He's made a truckload of money, and now he's like, doesn't he fancy playing you, in Leicester? For the yeah. Next why two would years. you? Why would you tarnish that by going and playing in Europe for a couple of years to make a couple of million quid when? you know you might you know you could do a George Smith and continue to be brilliant and he probably would but like I don't know it, it would I feel think you've got sli- a
2: few more bob in the bank than George Smith well right exactly
1: there. but it would just feel slightly beneath him like I I, I met Richie just before the World Cup started and thing in London and like he's he's a as nice a chap as you would like I only talked to him for a minute or so because I was too busy sort of being a massive fangirl but, um <laughs> <laughs> I literally said about four words, but like he's just really quiet and polite and he's really pleasant and and he's not even the biggest guy in the world, but he's just got this presence that he is a leader and he is unlike everybody else that is in the room with you, because he's
2: just were those four, were those were those four words where you get on side.
1: <laughs> I think they were actually uh, "Hi, Richie, nice to meet you, good luck in the World Cup. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I shook his hand. Oh, you and... knocked
2: him bandy there, Josh. <laughs> <in> bandy.
1: <laughs> I, I, I had him banked the right. I really did. Um, yeah, But, of
2: course, he's a, he's off to be a commercial helicopter pilot now, he which, is, again, which is, the... is probably the most McCaw thing ever. It is the, the most too, McCaw
1: thing ever. It's like he's doing, like, an incredibly... Like, he could do... Could, like, any team in the world would have Richie yeah. McCaw as a coach tomorrow. Yeah. Literally anyone from the All Blacks down, if Richie McCaw said, i decided like to, to be get... the
2: New Zealand version of a bus driver. Yes,
1: yeah, right? exactly. He's, a, like... It's it's such a like obviously it's a slightly more exciting job than like you know going on the bins or whatever but like to to have to just decide like right I've become perhaps the greatest All Black of all time probably the great one of the greatest players in the history of rugby and definitely probably the greatest captain in the history of rugby so uh, yeah now I'm just gonna go and just ferry people and shit around in a helicopter because why not because
2: why not yeah but I think the interesting thing for me I think air traffic control must be shitting themselves because it's going to take him 10 minutes or probably about 5 years of his career to work out that he actually has to go where they tell him to go exactly. unlike the refs <laughs> uh, helicopter 7 can you please move out of there helicopter 7 can you move out no really we mean move out of there you can imagine going be... back to Cadia. Are, are you sure the other hel- helicopters are you watching him is he not doing the right thing ref? what about that 747 ref yeah I
1: mean yeah, yeah exactly seriously ref. take a look at it so that's McCaw so yeah you know, this is goes. fantastic Legends and good luck to him I I think it's brilliant. I'm glad it's ended this way I really yeah am, me too I'm glad he didn't hang around for the Lions because A I would quite like the Lions to not get dicked and yeah, oh, this is going to make
2: no difference to that You're fully. well exactly there. but yeah
1: I mean it doesn't help doesn't help does it anyway but... I
2: ban all Lions talk until the end of the season before a Lions talk <laughs> I, think that's I made a point on the, la- on the blog in the last tour I said I'm not doing any of those pretend teams none of that it's, it pisses me off it does it's the most pointless bloody foxtrot that they do these people when
1: you have World Cup finishing and the next day you have Lions 15s in potential the potential Lions like, team come on yeah. guys anyway yeah,
2: yeah. so Speaking of lions and, and other national teams, uh, mm. Mr. Eddie Jones has arrived for England. Indeed, we talked last. We tried to do. We tried to record this last week. I'll confess we to you people out there, but we had a technical uh, nightmare it, was, it sent- was almost like we don't really know what we're doing apparently I sounded
1: like I was on auto-tune which many bands that I've been in over the years would probably have wished it, was yeah, the it actual was, case it was like but... having
2: an hour long conversation with Cher and <laughs> but, um, do you believe in but, life but, after love <laughs> well, don't we all <laughs> uh, so anyway I believe in life after Stuart Lancaster Damn Eddie right. Jones you see what I did there did yeah, that was, did that's you know that? a proper now, that's that a is top, top that's broadcasting anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. anyway, Top so broadcasting Jones... probably
1: shouldn't tap, pat ourselves on the back yeah. quite so enthusiastic about it. Eddie, yeah.
2: So Eddie Jones is here. Interestingly, yes. a friend of mine, a friend of mine who goes to a lot of these sportsmen's dinners and, and does a bit of networking and works in the city and stuff, he was at a dinner oh just after the World Cup, just well, one no, oh sorry, just after England were kicked out of the World Cup, and he was speaking mm. to a former England international, a very uh, accomplished former England international, who basically just said Eddie Jones is getting the job. Right So it seems the conversations have been and my mate actually said put some money on it because Jones was 9 to 1 then I I, I didn't cause I, I, well whatever but I, I just didn't but um, it seems that the conversations have been going on for quite a while now I mm. thought that would have meant that, especially given that Jones came out a week before he was appointed to say central contacts are needed foreigners yeah. are needed what was and then about? within a week he's appointed and I thought well obviously he's got all this sorted before he's appointed and then what did he say in his, in his first interview? Well that was the weird thing wasn't it? It was like
1: uh, I just well, like I I just yeah what, what,
2: what's he yeah, thinking mystified I can like, see, you're, I I know, can see just, where you go with it's it like
1: yeah. we, when we spoke last week about this we, you said uh, quite rightly so that there was no way that you thought he was going to take the job unless the RFU gave him what he wanted and gave him assurances about foreign players and central contracts and all these things that he'd said publicly like a week before. And then the first thing he does when he gets the job is reaffirm the foreign player rule and talk about how he wants to be best buddies with the
2: clubs. Because it because it seems that obviously the thing that he really wanted was a gold pig. Every exactly, month he just as his salary, and he's willing to do anything for that. Well, exactly. It's like I, I'd rather he just. <laughs> yeah. I'll like, believe anything you tell me, RFU. Just keep exactly. the money coming.
1: I mean, I, I'm sure he'll say now that he's got. A close up look at the setup and all that shit that he feels differently, but but I'd rather like it just seemed, seemed like he'd had his opinions entirely cleansed by one of Rob Andrew's extra vigorous
2: cash enemies. So like, <laughs> how do you And I think what I'm beginning to realise is is that obviously everyone who talks to Rob Andrew comes out of there believing exactly what he said, so he's, he's obviously a jedi he's basically like the hood in
1: Thunderbirds, which is a bit of a left field reference but yeah he's well, got I don't even know some... what that is oh well <laughs> I'll have to le- I'll leave that once again, <laughs> but like he's got that yeah it's like people meet nobody him spots the...
2: that he's completely shite i can't really? I can't work it out the fact it's that like... he's in charge of elite play development and we've had no seven for ten years doesn't seem to be his fault apparently
1: yeah but like I can understand why he's sort of like I'm not surprised that he was talking about wanting to work with the clubs because like the, uh, the one significant achievement of Rob Andrews' bafflingly long t- time in charge of England has been the peace and harmony that he's created between the clubs and the RFU yeah. and he was never going to let Jones endanger that and certainly not on the first day of the job but the foreign player rule like that's a bad rule Like everyone bar the All Blacks gets that now and the All Blacks can only do it because they have a production line and development pathway that's better than anybody else on earth
2: like, I also think that, I think, and maybe it could be, just trying to look on the bright side, maybe it could be that they've basically said, look, don't piss the Premiership clubs off in your first week. Yeah. We know it needs doing, but just go out there and say you think everything's <coughs> brilliant and you're willing to work with whatever they've got, and then, you know, give it after the Six Nations. Then we'll say, look, we've not done as well as we thought again, we can't get foreign players again, and, and then we can talk about what you want to do, Eddie. Maybe. I guess so. I I, kind of hope so, but it just makes him look like such a hypocrite already,
1: and that's just a bad way to start a job. It's not (laughs) good, is it? No, and like, especially... I don't mean anything I say. Hello, everybody. Exactly. And like, in in being sort of slightly, like, cheeky with it with the journalists and being like, oh, you know, it was different when I was being paid to write opinion in a paper and blah 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 and it's like well no because I want to believe that you actually believe what you say mate and
2: I think the journalist must be quite pleased that he showed a human emotion in a press conference well, yeah, on, like, that's true, after actually. Stuart Lancaster for four years <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you look at the way that like Abandonen and and played at the weekend and you just think like it just makes him look a fool to be saying that because you were telling
2: me that we're like, gonna come on to this later, but that Osprey yeah. defense made David Strettle look very, very good. They did. We'll get on to that,
1: but but like, are you, are you telling me that both of those players wouldn't make England much better right now? Because I, I think, think they probably would.
2: I think Abenden would. I mean, without going into the details, I think Watson should play fullback anyway. But that's an no. entirely different angle because know, eh, I know Brown's decent, but if you Watson's, yeah. I'll leave that there. But, but um, like
1: one good thing that he did say though is that he wants to groom an English successor so that you'd hope that he, he picks a bright young thing from the premiership and and gets Borthwick and somebody else in there and then like at least when it all oh,
2: explodes go, in a... Oh, I can't go back to having Borthwick's post-match interviews again. <laughs> Jesus. No, please. England fans out there. Do we want Borthwick's interview? I I've got if he no makes idea. your forwards
1: really good though you'll probably take it though, won't you? Well, I suppose he
2: did a, yeah he did a job, well, he, 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 did well, a he, job. he created better forwards in England Dad, didn't he exactly. in his last job but I mean in terms of that then moving on to that with Jones what are his top three priorities captain he's yeah. decided who his captain is will it still be Rob Shaw you're Welsh on the outside looking in is it is is, still Rob Shaw do you think
1: honestly like when you think about it it's no wonder that England appeared to lack composure and leadership at key moments during that World Cup because there are no outstanding candidates in the current squad in my opinion for no. Captain. they really aren't. Like, you look around it, and you just, like, like I I, I I get these weird bookies emails that tell me odds about things I don't give a fuck about. But occasionally, they, <laughs> they say something quite good, and, like, apparently Brown is the bookies favourite for Captain at the moment, and that would be ridic- a terrible decision. Absolutely ridiculous <laughs> idea. Like, yes, he's passionate, but, like, that passion boils over into shithousery, at least twice a game if not more
2: yeah that's like putting Guy Fawkes in charge of your dynamite <laughs> well
1: exactly I mean and Farrell's apparently in the running as well and he's not guaranteed his place and he also has massive potential and for he has a head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the a haircut yeah
2: I think Brown is you know that on the field by leadership demonstrate by leadership thing mm. given the fact there is no outstanding candidate in terms of brain and tactician you no. can see where they're coming from but you can't yeah. have a captain who does interviews like that you just no, can't do exactly.
1: it. You've got to have somebody who can keep their head when. In a else way, I admire there's...
2: him. I admire him yeah. in a way for going. I've got no time for this. Piss off and leave me alone, basically. Yeah, you, is what he said. I, him I admire him passion. for that. Yeah. You can't be a captain for, no, of any you... team. Never mind England. You can't be a captain of any team. Exactly. It, I mean, I really, got
1: a... really, there's only one candidate. Like he's experienced. He's got a vocal leader. He's got experience of captain in his
2: club. I know. Oh god. Oh god. It's James Haskell, isn't it? Oh god. That is cruel. I know. You know, you're not the first and first person to have said that as a kind of short-term interim it's, measure, it's but that will mean he plays idea. every game, which is I know, just and he can't do that so because... soul-shattering for me to think yeah. that I can't actually bring myself to do it. I, I can't
1: see him doing it. But Joe Launchbury's been touted as well, but I can't see that either. He's a great player. He's a really great player. But he just seems so quiet and insular and like... Yeah, I don't know. I, he just doesn't carry himself like a leader. Talking
2: about, they're talking about this which I, he's too not, early. He's man, only, he's, not, he's only his first season now, isn't he?
1: Exactly. Like he needs to be involved in the setup. But if you bring him in out of nowhere with a handful of you know, compared, a season or so of top flight rugby under his belt, and tell him to be captain of England, Jesus Christ! How can you possibly? Yeah, it that doesn't work. It,
2: it doesn't work in any sport. Graeme Smith, the South African cricket captain is the exception that proves the rule that exactly. doesn't work he was appointed at 22 mm-hmm. with a few caps and he was brilliant and that's yeah. it That that's your once in a hundred years person that's going to work well arguably,
1: arguably Warburton as well like Warburton was yeah, was 22 any. and and but Warburton is a very different he did try and do a spine
2: spine a spine tangling DDT on somebody. A well, time. exactly,
1: and he did have, and that's the thing. He he's he's grown into the captaincy, and he's a magnificent... Well, that was never a red, of course, was
2: it, Josh? Never of course red. not.
1: It was shameful.
2: But like, <laughs> so there's the, there's the captaincy, I think, which is. the yeah. I think Tom I Wood. Mean...
1: Tom Wood is the only cap person I think in that squad. Uh, Everyone seems actually... to hate him, though. Of course they do. His own
2: team uh, hates him. (laughs) Well, Yeah, but
1: that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think he hates them. Everybody hates him because he has very exacting standards for them and of himself. And he's a good player. But is he even guaranteed a start? I mean, we could get into the back row debate and who on earth England picking that back row before we get on to picking a captain, really. I'd have Tom Croft
2: back. I know that much.
1: Yeah, I mean... He's a dynamic six. I think you've got to stick with Unipolar at eight. Although Nathan Hughes certainly after the weekend should probably be in the conversation. Well, this
2: Brendan O'Connor looks like he, he's qualified yeah. now, is he or soon? Yeah. And given the fact that we haven't got a seven, that's why Rob Shaw keeps playing. Like you know, then yeah. he could be coming in, but we shall see. Anyway, that's Eddie Jones. He's got yeah. quite a amount of climb. He'll probably he'll probably keep his captaincy. We've got. Uh, I think Robshaw will probably keep his captaincy. I think he's in got it for honesty. the Six
1: Nations because nobody else is putting their hands up. Which
2: he, he needs to sort out back row. We haven't got time to talk about it now. But he needs no. to sort out back row. He Maybe needs to play him at six. six.
1: That's all I'm saying. Play Robshaw yeah. at six. Well, because he's
2: a well, he's a decent back row. People. Yeah. This revisionism that he's a terrible player is unfair. Yeah, he's not. He's really not.
1: But he, yeah, yeah, he's, we'll he's just
2: limited. But there's there's no there's no crime in that. No. So so that's that. He needs to sort the back row out as well. He needs to decide. He needs to pick a ten and stick with it. Yeah. Which I hopefully will do. And he needs to pick a midfield pair if does doesn't indeed. involve Brad Barrett. Yes. That, I'll that's... take anybody it doesn't involve him. Honestly, <laughs> I will take anybody.
1: Do you know what I was thinking about the midfield thing? Get Anthony weirdly... Allen
2: back out of retirement and pick him. I'll take anybody <laughs> over Brad Barrett.
1: I, I literally I was thinking about the midfield combinations and, and Brad Barrett didn't even actually I forgot he existed, which is kind of how I feel like he's contributed to England in the last couple of years really, but
2: yeah, does a job for Saracens though. So yeah, oh, and while we mention that, another classic bit of broadcasting link there. Oof. Let's talk about the results from the weekend in the European it's, Champions Cup. It's
1: been a pretty remarkable. Well, it's been a very interesting first two rounds, isn't it? I mean,
2: interest. Well, interesting is one word. It's been yeah. it's been a very good first few rounds of your English. Yeah, if, and and it's been interesting for everybody else. If by interesting you mean shit.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think the story so far, the big one, has got to be Wasps. I mean, oh, to, ruthless, back up, it? to back Absolutely. up that, that win against Leinster last week with that performance against Toulon, um, it's, it's, it's got to be up, there with the most impressive feats in the history of European rugby. I mean, nobody yeah. had them even getting out of the pool. No. And while there's still a lot of rugby to play, they're, they're well in the driving seat now. Like Bonus points are going to be
2: so hard to come by in this pool. It's, am so, I... Am am I a bad person for hating how well they're doing <laughs> Because bit. honestly, I wanted that move to the Traitor Dome and all that to fail miserably. And I know that's a horrible thing to say, but I hate I hate I think, that, I think the you're, whole you're, stench you're,
1: of it. Yeah, I, I think the, your feelings are shared by a lot and I didn't like it either. I think it's it's it was distasteful at best. However,
2: yeah, it's, it's a results it's, game, isn't it? It's Yabby paying off to... in yeah.
1: terrifyingly good ways. I mean, that backline is outrageous. Like, Wasp fans need to really appreciate Pieterse while they can, because yeah, he's off to Ulster. Spe- yes, he is, and Ulster literally can't wait to get him in after the weekend. I would I'm imagine. By but, Friday night. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well,
2: let, well let's let, let's go. You've already talked about Wasps, so yes? Which was an incredible performance against the team, um, who looked out of sorts really do you think this like kind of three wins on the bounce and now it's a bit well what am I going to you know it's got to drop off sometime hasn't it well
1: time? exactly I mean <laughs> I think that the best thing that could happen to the Champions Cup is somehow Toulon not getting out of that group like I, you, they will get better mm. like they've got Drew Mitchell coming back they've got Gitto coming back and they've got my fucking Nonu turning up this week mm. um like, but a team with the resources that they've got does not get a pass for having a few internationals missing. They just didn't turn up, and Quade Cooper was textbook bad Quade, which where he, he tries all these stupid little offloads and In a game when you're already getting up, battered exactly and he, it's and not he ends working, up putting his so I'm team. I'm going to
2: force it forever, force exactly. it more. That's the way and, to go.
1: and that's what you get with him. And so I, I don't, I don't think they can get out of this pool if they're going to persist with Cooper at ten because he'll be brilliant at times but he'll lose them games as well I
2: really don't know why anybody would spend that amount of money on him No, I find it, it baffling for all his talent what's a, he going to give you for that amount of money yeah he's box office when he's on, yeah. he's on it but
1: he's had too many games where he's bad
2: but if you were to take the kind of money ball approach you know Undervalued and overvalued players. Oh, yeah, he's a, classically, he's, he's a classically overvalued player because he looks like he should be very good. And in yeah. fact, really, generally, he isn't.
1: No, and you've only got to look at the fact that he barely got on the field for Australia in the World Cup. You know, yeah. they preferred Bernard Foley, who's a much, much more limited player, but yeah. he does the job and he doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't fuck up. And, and check had his number.
2: Exactly. exactly. But like, so that was that was Wasp, which is an incredible performance. Um, going back to the Friday Ulster, who yeah. look all 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 shades of outer sorts, don't they? Well, and the Saracens thing, who it? look all shades of non-stop, you know, relentless. Oh, this boring though, relentlessness. Isn't it? Oh, like, I said, um, I, I said, you know, George Orwell in the book 1984 when Winston Smith is in Room 101, the actual Room 101, not that daft show on telly, <laughs> and the, uh, and the guy from the party whose name I can't remember. You know, says says to Winston, "What do you imagine the future to be?" And he says, "Well, I don't know." And he says, "Well, I'll tell you what the future will be. It's a boot stamping on a human face for the rest of time. Exactly. That's what the future is. That is Saracens, and that just every time I see Saracens play, they're that like is the, all I think. They're, they're like boots the stamping they? on a human face. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're just ruthlessly like. I just, I don't know what's going on with the Irish teams this year. I mean. We sort of touched on it briefly with Wasps, but like, what is going on there? They've been uniformly not very good. Like, Munster are the only team now that has any hope in hell of getting out of their pool. And they struggled to a bonus point win against Treviso at
2: home. Is, is this not a symptom, like in Wales, of this kind of everything's about the national team? which is Which is fine as an approach, but ultimately... You know when you've got situations where an Australian hooker is gets a contract sorry mate you can't have a contract because we've got a young lad who needs to come in and play.
1: I think that's that's part of it but more than anything else I think like basically the Champions Cup was designed by English rugby to stop the Irish from winning it all the time. Like they've been quite <laughs> they've been quite forthright about that and and fair enough because with the way that qualification and everything used to be Done, like, it was a bit skewed, wasn't it? It was massively skewed because the Irish internationals and their top players literally just played in the Heineken Cup and didn't play in the Pro 12 and maybe played like two or three games a season there. Whereas the English players and the French players had to slog their way through an entire domestic season and go... And it was the same with the Welsh teams because they didn't have the resources to actually you know, rest half their squad until you needed to go to, to play in Europe or whatever. And now things have been... Evened out a little bit I mean Arguably they're now Tipped in favour of The English teams Because of the amount of Of money But isn't it Isn't it amazing
2: Isn't it it amazing How A group of players England You know That was roundly Castigated as so bad Six weeks ago Are now Smashing it around Everywhere in Europe now Well I think And even the teams That aren't playing that well Are winning
1: But the thing is You look at the players That are that are really shining and they're players that you know Farrell aside hmm. a lot of those who is playing absolutely brilliantly by he the way. is playing fantastically but the players that are standing out are players that weren't involved <laughs> in the England surf it's Joe Simpson it's you know
2: Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being they want to help protect you from fraud So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company
0: is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes. So don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security. And together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win.
1: Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated
0: by the Central Bank of Ireland. ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna.
1: ACAST is home to the world's best podcasts,
2: including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now.
1: As a, as if, a textbook example, Elliot Daly, you know.
2: If, 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 any, if any... How anybody can believe that Richard Wigglesworth is better than Joe Simpson is Gagery. so baffling... Is to require a you know a hard drive of such capacity that even the shit good computer would struggle with it.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, you'd, you'd ask that question to deep thought, and he would get back you'd get back to you. But, Indeed, it
2: is it is unbelievable. But yeah, the English team's doing well. I mean, moving on to English, English team doing well. Benetton Treviso three, Leicester Tigers thirty six, two thousand three hundred people at that game. Was it an Ospreys crowd? Did you bust oh, them over? God, there? God, I tell you what, that's not a
1: good. I mean, I mean, it
2: wasn't. It wasn't Italy in the pissing rain. They probably didn't have a chance of winning. But I mean, where yeah. do Italy go when they're getting crowds like that? Yeah, that's really not them?
1: good. Is, I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, Pro 12 attendances are not great. But I mean, even the Welsh regions managed to get about seven, eight thousand through the door. Yeah. Saying that, there was only seven thousand at the Liberty Stadium for Ospreys Exeter a couple of weeks ago. So
2: yeah. So anyway, that was an easy win for the Tigers, as you'd expect. Yeah, although they are playing decent rugby this year. They and, are actually. I think they. They're, Especially when Major, you... Major's doing something with them.
1: Yeah, and, and you look at the recruits, they've got to come in, you know.
2: Oh, Matt Tumua, man.
1: Oh. Matt Samua and Jean de Villiers, that's, that's not a bad midfield, is it? I mean, even old, creaky Jean de Villiers is probably better than...
2: Well, for as long as he lasts for. Well, exactly. When he's in Ward 47 for most of the season, <laughs> he really was not really. Sorry, John, you're a class act, but, you know, really. Um, so that was that. Bath, 19, Leicester, 16 that was uh, the next game that was up yeah. Bath probably well Bath were crap They were just and they still to... beat Leinster <laughs> they, yeah I mean Leinster are,
1: are, have got that whole post-imperial malaise thing going on now for me it's like Sexton was supposed to come back and reinvigorate everything and then you know the returning hero and all that shit and, and he's not really I mean it's starting to look like it's a
2: leadership problem I think yeah, it's a leadership it start... problem in the entirety of Irish rugby actually
1: yeah well they're, they're two best leaders have both now retired
2: and, and you struggle to see where it's coming from don't you yeah you notice like, that the game against Argentina in the World Cup you thought there's there's nothing here no exactly there's no one here who can grab hold of them all and say fucking pull yourselves together well, and sort yourselves out
1: remember when Jamie Heaslip got the captaincy for about five minutes and <laughs> then everybody realised he was a terrible captain and gave it to Paul O'Connell and yeah and like he's now I mean who the hell's going to be island captain now are they going to give it back to Heaslip after he's proved that he's not a good leader are they he doesn't going to seem to it...
2: say much Jamie Heaslip he's like he's mute oh, he's a weird player he should carry yeah, a Hieslip. blackboard around on his neck and write what he wants in <laughs> chalk you know like an old like mute kid from the anyway I've probably been unfair yes. now uh, so I've oh, probably been unfair of course i am being unfair beat my entire <laughs> blog on being unfair speaking of which if you do want to have a look at the blog it's bloodandmud.com you can find us on twitter at bloodandmud you can find this podcast on soundcloud if you search bloodandmud you can also find it on itunes uh, search bloodandmud again or under rugby where do we find you Josh
1: indeed if you're that level of pedantic weird rugby shirt liker then you can just go to rugbyshirtwatch.com or at rugby shirt on uh, twitter in, uh, instagram and all of those places
2: You've just reminded me on that what the fuck is that scarlet awake it all about
1: Jesus Christ
2: Imagine Don't. Samson Lee's napper like
1: perched awa- perched atop I can't that wait. Thing. I'm so excited
2: that for orange that. pink thing
1: it's, it's it's like a weird cocktail that you get in a really shit club and you don't want to know what's in it but there's all sorts of weird colors going on and then you smash
2: and then when you do find out what's in it it's it's half a shot of vodka and a load of food coloring <laughs> exactly but anyway we'll yes. we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll do shirts one week well, not this but yeah that is horrific have a look everyone it's absolutely horrific it is um, next up was Toulouse 24 Axe 18 yeah Toulouse put up you know what I, i'll be honest right i know nothing about Axe. the only thing i know about Axe is that they sound like a character from Asterix.
1: Yes, uh, and I also know that uh, Bristol legend Joel Abd went out to play for them um, when they were still in the Division Two, and
2: Nicky Robinson
1: uh, now plays for them as well. Does he? he, uh, oh. he does
2: indeed. Did he get any, any game time? Did I miss uh, that? I've it's got, got I've time. got
1: literally no idea. Um, with the greatest respect to that Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Glasgow Warriors 15, Northampton 26. Oh, God, that was a bad game. It was an awful game, wasn't it? Oh, God, it was just like... One for the purists, as they say. Translation, this is utterly shit.
1: It was like people with bricks tied to their hands just (laughs) smashing themselves in the face. Like, nobody did anything Looking in the mirror and punching themselves. Exactly. No one did anything good in that game. It's just somehow Saints managed to end up on top. They they looked all right,
2: but what's happened to George North? Seriously, I think. Well, I mean, literally, and I'm using the word literally in its correct sense. His head's gone.
1: Yeah, but I think I don't even think his head's gone. I just think like he looks so tentative, and it's understandable. But like, who can blame him for not throwing himself into tackles and into contact when he knows that he's one bad head knock away from being retired at 22? it's
2: It's that cutting inside thing.
1: Yeah, that's, should... that's
2: the biggest indicator of how his confidence is shot to shit yeah. because he doesn't just put his head down and go for the corner. Because he get there, I mean, in the World Cup you saw sort he of got there. He'd done it the other yeah. week in whichever Northampton game it was, I can't remember. But he he, he had one the other week where he had a chance just to put his head down and go. He cut yeah. inside. Oh, that's the one. That was last week when he when he stamped on the bloke's head and got the yellow card. Yes, you No, know, we could have solved on that. He just put his bloody head down, but it's it's well, really exactly. worrying. Yeah, and it, I really, I really hope that like it's, it's actually genuinely thing, sad. It really Welsh is. Person, he's 22 as a rugby years fan, old. It's genuinely very, very sad. But he, like, we can't write him off. I'm sure it's no, going to get better.
1: I, I hope that with every game that he plays, he he feels a bit more confidence and a bit more of his old self. Every day,
2: and... in every way. So I'll let you to do that then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> getting stronger in the Lord. You know next up was Scarlet's 12 racing 29 it all oh, came God. down to earth with a bump didn't it, it did. we,
1: in, our, in our abandoned podcast from last week we talked about how fun the Scarlet's were always going to be to watch and how they mm. looked like they'd really turned a corner <laughs> And on reflection I'm quite glad that didn't go yet, out now Yeah, more that evidence us...
2: that I don't or we don't and I certainly don't really know what I'm talking about <laughs> no, exactly.
1: but it did look like they'd turned a corner this season but it, I, I honestly you get the feeling that like what a difference a few weeks made because we were talking in the last podcast that did go out on when they lost to Leinster in the Pro 12 about yeah, what a good what a team, team they looked that,
2: yeah. well, there you go. but
1: they're looking like a team that made hay while other teams got pillaged for internationals and now they've come to the shop and they've they've got nobody I mean look at the players that were playing for them they had like, like uh, players I'd never heard of playing in in starting in like Ali Thomas and, and Daniel Jones and Gareth. And they Owen. had the fattest
2: I mean, prop I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was, but he was so fat. That was probably Phil I mean John. not even like slightly well props have a bit of timber on them He was properly a big fat get. Yeah but Phil then, John is a
1: is a, a hangover from a from a, a more simple age and, a, and spe- a more speaking pleasant of age. big fat gets,
2: yes. Uh, Exeter thirty four Bordeaux nineteen, did you see the size of the Bordeaux players? Uh, no. Did you see I, that I, game? They are unbelie- have... They're absolutely unbelievable. It's like they've been on, on a foie gras drip oh God. in the preseason, They're absolutely massive. See, you and say that, but
1: we've got to go out and play them in, in a couple of months' time. I'm not looking forward
2: to that. Extra very handy, though. Extra yeah. looking a decent team.
1: They were very bad against the Ospreys, like really bad. And I thought they must be a better team than how they played at the Liberty Stadium a couple of weeks ago, because they were shocking. And... Clearly they are.
2: Uh, Claremont Auvergne versus Ospreys. I'll let you have this one as an Ospreys oh, fan. When is a I when mean, is when is a loss not a loss? It's it's like, I mean, this has been a
1: bad season for the Ospreys, right? Like. We, before the Champions Cup started, we'd won two games... we be going been going for about against... ten minutes. Calm down, <laughs> Calm but, like, down. <laughs> but we'd won two games out of, like, seven, and they were both against Italian teams, and we'd lost at home to Connacht. I yeah. mean, come on.
2: Yeah. But, like,
1: the last couple of weeks have, have pleasantly surprised me in the fact that we're not shit. Like... I
2: yeah. think there's something I mean, the to be taken from that game.
1: Massively. Not... I was delighted. At, like, if you'd have told me at the start of the game... You're gonna lose, but you'll get two bonus points out of it.
2: Yeah, so well, it's not a loss, is it? Delighted. When is a loss not a loss? That's that's, it's a, it's a, that's a draw. You yeah, know, that's if, two yeah. points for a draw.
1: Like I'm fine with that. Like, yes, some of the tackling of of Strettle, like Oof. was very very bad. Like, it's like he had some sort of opposite magnet to the Ospreys team. The way that they were all sort of just like. Flailing at him like
2: it was the strangest thing, yeah. When you watched yeah. it, and this one is the, the more you watched it, the worse it got. Oh, god, in yeah, slow motion replays. or in real motion, the it was like, what, what are you doing? I know he's wrong footage slightly, but honestly,
1: that's the thing. It's like someone just because someone steps doesn't mean you all have to fall over. It was Not quite, but
2: uh, so like, yeah, so, but yeah, go on.
1: yeah, the score two tries in five minutes at the Marshal Munich like twice. And to do it the second time with a minute to go with fourteen men, like that's fantastic character. I, I'm as an Osprey fan, I was absolutely
2: delighted. There was a magnificent ramshackle comedy try in the middle of it as oh, well, that wasn't that was everyone was hacking the ball or volleying oh. it and everything like and, kids at yeah, the playground.
1: When the Claremont winger basically just appeared like he wanted to stop and pull out a. Galway have a fag rather than dab it down,
2: and it like man, he did. He did, he did the Ian Evans, Rory Underwood, um, <laughs> he absolutely. He stood there did going, oh, There's nobody chasing this ball. I could just wander back gently to get <laughs> exactly. it. Oh shit! Where did he come from? <laughs>
1: that was comical.
2: Anyway, uh, Stad was called off, obviously, but and, yeah, and, we, and we've done wasp for that. That was European Champions Cup. Entertaining games, though, in the main.
1: Really, I think. like I think I, I, I said earlier, like I think Toulon not getting out, like what I I love the rugby that's been on display since in the Champions Cup in its two seasons of existence has been great. Like the quality is fantastic. However But
2: it's no better than the Heineken Cup though, is it? It wasn't a Up it's not created better rugby. It no, just, it definitely hasn't. But it like was just a shift in a cash on the spreadsheet basically of course it was.
1: But like there's a there's a bit of an there's been a bit of an inevitability about European rugby over the last couple of seasons, isn't there? And it's like Yeah. no matter what happens, it will all shake out that it will be Toulon versus one of Saracens, Claremont, yeah. Saints, or or one of the Irish yeah. teams, yeah. in the final, and Claremont will win because they've got the most money, and you know too that's long. the way. And Claremont and wished he could win, because they had the most money. Well, exactly.
2: <laughs> but like,
1: yeah. So if somehow, like, it's yeah, it has made position. it more interesting. There's like, a chance if, if, of seeing if,
2: some people at the business end that we haven't seen for a while. Exactly, and and, and um, if if and we could not get... We,
1: how funny will it be if Toulon don't get out of the group, though? Can you imagine how angry Boujelal going to be? Like,
2: well, he'll sell the well, club, they, won't he? Or he he'll, he'll blow it will. up. He'll, he'll do something. Will. Like that, won't he will. They lose He'll Move it game. to Morocco. He'll do a yes. wasps. He'll move it to Morocco or something.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. They lose a game, and he threatens to like l- leave the league and you know assassinate <laughs> the body of Charles de Gaulle or well, something. But well, like,
2: well, yeah, I, as as a man who's not unencumbered by ego, I'll be honest, I I <laughs> I. I, 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 I Bujaral's ego is 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 a one is a wondrous thing. Like, he can a, almost sit it's and watch. Hilarious. You can see his ego around him as he's actually on the television. It is, but he might as well just do press conferences where he just goes, "Me, me, 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 yeah. me, 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 me. <laughs> Everybody, look at me." He's look, at all,
1: look at what I have done. Exactly. Look at
2: me. Look at all my money and look at what I can achieve. But yeah, yeah. well. We'll see, but it'd be great they don't go out. There. And there's a ch- there's a chance they might. They've got a they've got some games at home coming up, though, haven't they? But I think so. <laughs> they have,
1: but like I said, bonus points in that group they're going to be hard right. to come by. And true. Yeah.
2: Okay. So leaving aside the Euro weekend, then uh, it's back to it's it's back to the domestic seasons uh, this week. Um, yeah. Uh, we haven't got time to cover them now, but maybe we'll look at them again next week. Um, let's move on to a completely different subject here: the subject um, of doping.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's. It first appeared in the press last week, didn't it? And um, as we're recording now, actually, I believe there's some sort of BBC Wales special report thing going on about it. And I mean, it's let's let's get down to the nitty gritty here. A third of all players who are currently banned in for doping in the UK are Welsh rugby players.
2: Is and that just in rugby, or is that in players full stop? As players full stop.
1: That's in Ru- Welsh
2: Rugby League or Union isn't it
1: it's It's mainly League a couple of Union boys as well but a third of all of the athletes currently banned for doping in the UK are Welsh rugby players and that, that is startling that, uh, isn't it Martin Phillips the WIU head show said today that he didn't think that there's a disproportionate amount of doping because rugby players get tested more than players in other sports but I think that's dreadfully naive like
2: the thing is, the sports don't seem to learn either. Because what I've seen today is both the head of the Wru, as you say, and, and the other mm-hmm. guy come out and did exactly that. Say that that apologist kind of line that we do all we can and we do all we can. This mm-hmm. is the stuff that Paul Kimmage, the famous angry Irish um, mm-hmm. anti doping journalist, goes absolutely crazy about this is the stuff that really makes his blood boil it's not doping i think he can live with doping image and all that <coughs> i don't know the guy but he can't what he can't live with is the mealy mouth apologism and qualifying yeah. that comes out from sports when it, when it when it actually comes out instead of saying we have a systemic problem here and we need yeah. to address it
1: and it's like how can you we're a sport where the primary aim thanks to professionalism and all that is now to be the biggest and strongest person you can be. So of course there's going to be players who are looking to take shortcuts.
2: That's just common sense. Well, if you told oh. you're not big enough, it even happens in football now. You know, people. Yeah, exactly. Danny Care get asked to leave Sheffield Wednesday because he wasn't big enough? Something like that. Yeah. And uh, which and is if, silly. Uh, Craig Chalmers's um, son, I didn't realise, who is a fly half like him, he's banned because he tried yes. to bulk up. And is it you know? It seems to me when you read a lot of the reports. Uh, not all of them, but a the majority of them. It's just stuff. It's this kind, you know, the big tub of powder, which is
1: yeah, mostly probably suspicion. just
2: sugar and you know icing sugar and sherbet anyway. That gets passed around. Or oh, try this; it's all right. It's safe.
1: Yeah, and like I personally, I think the root of the problem that then I hope this documentary that's on tonight talks about is 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 the gym culture in the South Wales valleys. Like, mm. there's <laughs> there's an entry in the Phanasaurus... Like I, I'm from Aberdare right, which is a town in the Welsh Valleys and there's an entry in Viz's fine tome of go on about an Aberdeer tic-tac which is a noun <laughs> for an anabolic steroid tablet after the South Wales town where every young man between the ages of 19 and 24 eats them like sweets and I can tell you that you only need to go down Weatherspoons on a Friday night to see that that is bloody true and I can also tell you that you will
2: not be allowed to go down to Wetherspoons on a Friday night and have a dairy more cuz bass you Christ. have to say that don't even, don't even ask me <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's the thing they they don't care like if you talk yeah. to any of those massive you know neck as thick as a tree trunk tight t-shirted buggers down there and god bless you boys uh, please don't kill me <laughs> um but like they don't they're quite happy to say that they they enhance themselves because it's it's not about you know, wanting to be sportsmen, they they juice because they want to look good, because they want to get ripped as fuck, because that's what mm. girls like. And, yeah, and know, I think what they think know... girls like. And and that's kind of that endemic culture, when you consider that the majority of like amateur and semi professional players in Wales have grown up in that environment, not in the sort of academy environment where it's like, be really careful about your supplements, you know, don't have any supplements that we don't directly give you, blah blah blah, blah blah and and where you know, you're in this environment where any supplement, you know, like you say, they're passing it around the room and say, "This is good, it's fine, yeah, try yeah. it." And where you know, steroids and HGH it's, and all that sort of stuff is, is it's, it's, it's not it's just noticeable. common, it's encouraged.
2: It's noticeable, I'm not saying this, and I'm not inferring anything by this. But a load of lads have been banned from Merthyr since Andy Powell turned up. <laughs> that's one of two things. One, Andy's brought the goods with him. Or two, they've taken one look at Andy Powell and gone, look at the fucking size of him.
1: <laughs> exactly. They've, they've looked at Andy Powell's abs and gone, boys, we've got something yeah. to do here. <laughs> yeah.
2: I thought I was well on track.
1: And then the Powell, the Powell master
2: turned up. Whatever his nickname is. I've got no idea what his nickname is. Legend, um, that's what his name is. <laughs> that's, yeah, the king. That's his nickname, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... that's. I mean, the Nicole Sapstead, who's the chief executive of the UK anti-doping agency, has said clearly in her view when asked the question directly that the sport most at risk is rugby union of course it is unequivocal most at risk and it is at that lower level is it because at the top level if you are going to do it I'm not saying they are you've got doctors you've got people who can manage it and you've got the money
1: to afford the stuff that isn't going to be detected yeah. to be quite honest with you. whereas you've got all it's these players that are on the fringes it's the boys that have been washed out of the academy or who never got there anyway who have been told they're not big enough or they're not quick enough or you know they just and they they think that they just need that little edge, that little yeah. bump to get them noticed the, by the, by a professional club, is, and they're
2: I, fine. I don't think that rugby's ready to deal with it because if you look at uh, Lauren Benazek, who was a former France prop, who basically said, "I want," I think when he retired, he said, "Yeah, my club, we you know, we did this, we did that." He got sued by the club. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of like you know how are you going to police this? How are you going to sort it out? He got sued by the club, and yeah, and, 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 and the union were nowhere around, you know
1: yeah and nobody wants to talk about it because you know there are uncomfortable questions to be asked about how rugby players have got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over the last 20 years and a lot of it is down to nutrition training and all that sort of stuff and and i hope it's all down to it i truly do but like it's, well, it's not it's, so, it? it's, it's 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 so hard to believe as a sort of even as a massive fan of rugby union, it's it's really just as a sensible human being with a rational mind. It's hard not to think that some players haven't cut corners somewhere, yeah. you know. And, and well, I just don't think we we want to talk about it because we yeah. nobody wants well, to be the next cycling or athletics, do they?
2: No. Well, watch this space. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's 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 yeah. it's worrying, especially for Wales. All we can say is you know, pros aren't getting caught yet, are they? But we'll see. Okay, so that that's doping. Indeed. Anybody got an experience of doping out there? At Blood and Mud, have you seen it? Have you, you know, taken part in it maybe? Don't mind telling us, maybe let us know. Is it as bad as we think it is? Because I think it could, well, we think it could be quite bad at that lowest level, particularly in Wales. Yeah, maybe you've got definitely. some experience out there. Um, let's move on to slightly jollier things. Or, Well, it's not jolly if you this person, but let's let's move on to the uh, <laughs> how the hell did he get a cap? <laughs> um, we've had some some classics. We've been talking about who, to, who should go in, and I'm desperately trying every week to not... Uh, keep going back to England in the mid 2000s and late <laughs> 2000. But it's I find honest, myself though. drawn there like like a moth to a shit stinking flame. Um and this week we're going to have a look at the uh, the the Bristolian legend oh. that was the scrum half Sean Perry.
1: See, I I like Sean Perry. Like I watched quite I live in Bristol, I watched quite a lot of Bristol and as a club player, he was perfectly good. However, <laughs> Like He he wasn't perfect. He was serviceable. He was a decent club player.
2: Join us while Josh Gardner damns you with fake praise. (laughs) But, like... He was a good club player, yeah. Yeah, but,
1: like, there's no way... Like, something has gone badly wrong somewhere along the line when you are fully Mr Burns bald by the time you get your first cap, you know? Yeah, this
2: isn't the 70s, you know what I mean? Exactly.
1: Like... That something has gone like you know fair enough. People lose their hair at different times, and I'm not saying he was ancient, but he was pretty much ancient by the time he got capped by England. Like,
2: yeah, he nobody... was 27, I think. Yeah, I mean, God, that's... And he, uh, but uh, and he, he had 14 caps in total. 14 caps, 10 points. And when I look back, it's hard to understand. I mean, he had a decent period at Bristol when they had that yeah. decent period. Yeah, but when you look back and watch it, you can't. He still baffled as to what he actually did. I mean his passing technique was not unlike an osteoarthritic pensioner t- attempting to, you know, assemble a wooden deck chair. That that's kind of what it looked like. That yeah. was the speed of it. He, was he like... made Mike Phillips look like Justin Marshall, didn't he? He was <laughs> <laughs> He did. No, that's true. That's not even a wind up. And then and he didn't he didn't even he went to the World Cup in two thousand and seven. He played in that legendary hiding that we Ooh. took. <laughs> against South Africa and then never played again, I don't think. I think he might have got injured when he came back, but he never played again. But he didn't actually do much before he was selected to start in a World Cup by Brian Ashton. It was it was odd. He he played in the two thousand and seven Six Nations, came on as a sub against Ireland through a horrible interception which let Ireland <laughs> score. He was blatantly about eighteen stone it looked like at the time. He then lost he a wasn't shed load swelled, was he No, no. He then lost a shed load of weight and was starting in the World Cup in that in that very odd 2017, which then got to the final. Everything about that period in English rugby—it's just is, weird, isn't it? It's just weird. It's like takes Twilight Zone stuff. It is, and and
1: yes, he is definitely just one of those. I mean, he, he did a good job for Bristol, and and fair play to him. You you know, you don't begrudge anyone's uh, their caps he, once they've got them, but God, you you. Do scratch he your gave, head at thinking what the thinking was he, behind it. Sometimes
2: he, he gave way to Andy Gomezol in that tournament. So I think the year <sighs> before, the, the year before, it had been like odd carrying or something because his yeah. career was virtually over. Another very strange. Although Gomezol was a re, again a reasonable player, but it's when you in, look that entire set period of time, every squad you look at, you just go, "Good God, no. it's shit." There was, all, you know, there was half of it's terrible.
1: Yeah, there were there were a lot of England players, you know. At that point, who were just like, I think there was an Ashton just assumed that a good premiership player would make a good international, and so there were all these sort of you know, but well, there is that harpe, kind of you know, that will you know, this
2: do selection criteria exactly. is, never, is never a good one to pursue, is it? Will, will that do it? Look, that looks all right, we'll go with that, yeah. So there you go, Sean Perry, fourteen caps, fourteen caps. Never mind, how did he get a cap? Fourteen caps, <laughs> and he was uh, he was he was not not very good. Um, no. so, so, so there you go, another one. I will try desperately. Please, can somebody give me somebody who isn't from the two thousand and five, two thousand and ten England team for next week? Or oh, well, Wales,
1: inc- so, Wales circa two thousand and seven, because that's really good easy call. as well. Yeah.
2: Yes, Gareth Jenkins, uh, <laughs> that is his name, isn't it, Josh? <laughs> Yes, yes, I, I remember his name now. Um, uh, you know, please at blood and mud, give me an ovation for how the hell did he get a cap? <laughs> We're going to finish off tonight on a, another retrospective look back in one of our features, which is which is uh, you dirty get, Ooh. which is where we look at you know exemplary and notable acts of foul play or downright awfulness on on the rugby field and. and it- and, and celebrate it because we, we have to be honest you know half of us really we watch the game to watch somebody get punched or...
1: well exactly and this and this year we get an this week rather I should say we get an awful lot for the price of one new dirty get
2: we nice. do get an awful lot because it's not one play it's an entire match cash Indeed. your mind back It's two th- for those of you out there cash your minds back the year is 2002 when England were good I know that's a very hard time to remember you know, there was a time when England was terrible. It really is. To me. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, you've put it out of your mind completely. yeah. Um, Never mind. England versus South Africa at Twickenham in 2002. Uh, England 53. 53. <laughs> South Africa 3. Now, just let have, that sink in as a result for a second.
1: They must have written that out in like, words after
2: it. Can you imagine if they had the marketing campaigns like? they have now? What they do with that now? I know. Because I mean, the stuff they create now and have to bin and always ends up on Twitter, embarrassing everybody. You know, it's, <laughs> imagine what that would be now. Um, it was described at the time this game, and it was and it was South Africa's uh, were the ones who were giving it you know, the the pasty, really. They certainly uh, were. Yeah, test rugby. This is this is Paul Kitson in the Guardian. Test rugby is a physical contact sport, and England, like all top sides, fully understand the law of the jungle. Oh yes. <laughs> there are legitimate big hits and there are gratuitous cheap shots but no international touring team in modern times have crossed the line as blatantly as the Springboks did on Saturday <laughs> well
1: let's be honest though it was they were a shit South African side they'd lost yeah, to Scotland they were pretty bad. Brock bad
2: James played for that team
1: yeah and he was a decent player but whatever <laughs> um, but like the way that they chose to re- like reflect the clear gulf in class between them and England was just like yeah by killing played, everyone yes well yeah we've all played in games or watched games where one team is clearly better than the other one and the team on the losing side takes the well if we can't beat him we just try to hurt him approach but like it's rare that you see that between like two tier 1 test nations but that's what it was like yeah, but- they basically gave up after they they got that red card and like, if they'd yeah. been a sighting commissioner in those days, then half that team would have missed most of the Super Rugby the, the season. Red
2: cord, the red card, for those of you who don't remember, look it up on YouTube, it's an absolute blinder to watch. Oh, the, red, the, the whole game, I mean. The, the red card was uh, 22 minutes. Yanis uh, Labashagna, that's probably a terrible pronunciation, I do apologise. Labashagna uh, was sent off to 22 minutes for an absolutely hideous late hit on Johnny oh, Wood. it was awful. It was blinding in many ways, literally, probably. But it was it was awful. But he was sent off for that. And then they basically fell apart. Paul Ackford, who knows a thing or two about dishing out some pasty, he certainly does. Who famously once said, "You know, don't send him off, leave him on, because he wanted to uh, batter <laughs> somebody." who um, done one on him? Said South Africa were a shambles, a once proud rugby nation reduced to a litany of late tackles and foul play. Well, it was the worst defender.
1: Boy for, like, because I remember Paddy Jackson was refereeing that day, wasn't it? And Paddy uh, O'Brien, uh, Paddy O'Brien, sorry, yes. Um, and he said Paddy Jackson's that, uh,
2: a toddler-faced outside half. That's very true. That's very
1: true. <laughs> Um yeah, but he said that if he'd seen what was going on behind his back, he would have like sent four or five of them off. And that's probably being generous.
2: Like Yeah, there were shadows of yellow cards, yeah.
1: Yeah, well there was oh what was his name? Um Corne Cruyff who yeah, basically yeah. admitted after the game that like when they got that man sent off, like he completely lost it and <laughs> revved up by like the perceived arrogance of the English in their winning, which I can relate to somewhat. Um wow. He just spent the entire rest of the game trying to hurt people. Like, it's frightening, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I'm as much re- as
2: I think it's too sanitised now, the game, but nobody bit, wants yeah. to go back to that. No. We all like to see a bit of self-policing, don't we? But, but nobody wants to go back to that. Interestingly, there were no yellow cards for England, although I did read afterwards that Paddy O'Brien said he was tempted to give one for cowardice in the face of the enemy.
1: <laughs> I, th- I read afterwards that like, Kriya in his autobiography said that like, he reckons that in that game he took two years off his career. Just by, because he literally all he was doing was like every hit he was trying to put in, he was trying to injure someone, and so like (laughs) he he was so he was so physically broken at the end of the game that he reckoned that he 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 took two years off his career. Uh, My heart bleeds for him. He's a dirty bastard. There's a lesson in um, there for
2: it, and the moral of this story is yeah, yeah. But interestingly, if you look back at that, that was an England were good, right? That was the fourth England victory in twenty nine months over South Africa.
1: God, you take that these days, wouldn't
2: you? I take that off Eddie Jones now. If he could, if he could give me that, <laughs> for you. that was that period up to the World Cup where we got to number one in the world because we beat everybody, home and away. That was the famous thirteen men in Auckland. Yes. Game and all that period and all that kind of. Stuff. What was it? Martin Johnson said when you were thirteen men and New Zealand were on your line in a scrum. What did you What did you say to inspire? What did you say to your players when you had the scrum? He said, "Push." <laughs> that was his inspirational words. Push. Well, Josh we'll leave that's another one for you, dirty get there hope you enjoyed reminiscing on that look it up on YouTube honestly I'm not joking I, I might put it up Definitely. on Twitter after this it's, it's um, vicious so so there you go Josh it's been a pleasure indeed always a pleasure And always uh, a pleasure and hopefully we'll actually get a pod out this week that'd be nice wouldn't it and I do mean, something that even comes close or within you know the same country of acting like professionals
1: uh, let's, let's not push it yeah let's mean? not go
2: too yeah. far shall we no I mean god right everybody we'll cool. try and get one up next week a bit of a gap this time. Thank you very much, Josh. Indeed, See care. you around. See Bye, buddy.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.